Our Bible reading this morning is Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 30. That's uh, page 1047 in your blue church Bibles. Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 30. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Well, good morning. Uh, My name's Ben. I'm a ministry trainee here. Uh, We're working our way through the book of Luke uh, bit by bit. And today we've reached quite a difficult verse, I think. Quite a difficult saying of Jesus. Being shut out, weeping, gnashing teeth. Let me pray and ask for God's help as we come to his word. Lord God, we trust that your words are good and useful to us, even when they make for uncomfortable reading. I pray that as we read these words of the Lord Jesus, we will hear the warning he has for us, and that it will be useful to us, that it will keep us striving to enter through the narrow door. And perhaps, Lord, for some, these words of Jesus will be a wake-up call. Lord, we commit our time in your word to you now. Amen. Who will be saved? That's the question that Jesus is answering in our passage today. Uh, You can see that uh, down in your Bible, verse 23. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Who will be saved? It's a pretty central question to the Christian faith, isn't it? You know, ask anyone in the street, oh, what would you say it means to be a Christian? It won't be long before someone says, oh, it's about being saved, isn't it? I think that's right. You know, however you want to describe that, being with God, going to heaven, I think that's correct. It's right at the heart of our faith, being saved. So the question of who will be saved, it's an important one, right? And the answer that Jesus gives to that question is surprising. You can see, uh, what he, you can sum up what he says in that final verse of our reading. Uh, look at verse 30 with me. Uh, I think this is his answer. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. Who will be saved? Jesus says, not who you expect. Not who you expect. There'll be some people who get saved who are so unlikely that you think, oh man, how did they get in? And there'll be some people who you might think would be nailed on favorites to be first through the door, but who end up shut out. Strong words, aren't they? 
And so with that warning in mind, Jesus is going to tell us to make every effort to be saved. He says, strive to enter through the narrow door. Uh, That's where we're going today. Uh, Let's get into the passage. Uh, So you'll see on the back of your notice sheet, you've got some headings. Uh, There you go. So if you want to follow what's going on, that's there. Uh, We'll start with the first one. The door is narrow. The door is narrow. Uh, So Jesus is asked by someone in verse 23, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And Jesus answers with this story, uh, image of a narrow door. Verse 24, Jesus says, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Uh, We'll work our way through the story as we go, but let's just get the image clear in our heads of kind of what Jesus is talking about. So we've got a house. We've got a house with a party, a feast inside. Uh, And then over here, outside the house, we've got a bunch of people. They're looking in at the feast and they're thinking, oh, looks like a good party. Oh, they've got Ottolenghi doing the catering. They've got, I don't know, Beyonce or someone doing the singing. Choose your own artist. Oh, man, what a great party. I want some of that. And then between the party and the people is a narrow door. Uh, and this narrow door is open, but it sounds like it's hard to get through. Uh, look again at verse 24. Jesus says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Uh, I think maybe make every effort is a slightly weak translation. Um, I think maybe strive to enter through the narrow door is better. That kind of image of striving, striving like an athlete might at the Olympics, strive to get through the narrow door. It's that kind of sense. This door is hard to get through, Jesus says. Uh, Here at church, we actually have our our very own narrow door. Uh, I don't know how many of you know, but um, underneath kind of where you're all sitting, we've got this big area called the undercroft. Uh, You get into the undercroft by going down through the vestry, uh, and you have to go uh, through this very narrow and awkward door. Uh, It's actually not just narrow, but it's also very short, so it's kind of hard to get through. Uh, In fact, let me just show you. Uh, I've got it here. Took it off the hinges this morning. Here we go. Here's a narrow door. Okay, there we go, narrow door. Uh, you can see for yourself, this is not an easy door to get through, right? You've kind of, you'd have to get down, fold yourself up, go through on your hands and knees. Um, it's difficult. Uh, out of interest, give me a show of hands. Who here has been through this door? Can you confirm it's difficult? Yeah, it's an awkward door, isn't it? Uh, I'm going I'm to put it here, I think. Yeah, I think actually it's probably even harder for tall people because you've kind of got to fold yourself up a lot. So, you know, it's a good thing there's no tall people on the staff team here. Uh, so all of which is to say, I think this is the kind of door that Jesus has in mind. It's hard to get through. Makes sense. So we've got a party, some people who want to join the party, and then an open but narrow door that separates them. Jesus says that that is a picture of salvation, this whole image, a picture of salvation. There's a party, a feast at the kingdom of God in heaven, and there's a bunch of people who want to get there. And then there's an awkward door that you need to squeeze yourself through to get in. And not everyone makes it through the door. Uh, Verse 24, Jesus says, "Many, Many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. So some people get in. The people who strive, they get in. But for some people, the narrow door is just too much. They can't get in. Now, you might hear that and be thinking, hang on, sorry, what was that, Jesus? Because 
Because I thought salvation was a free gift from God. I thought we were saved by grace, not what we do. Why is Jesus telling us here that we have to strive to be saved? It kind of sounds like he's saying that only the most capable people make it through the door into the feast. That doesn't sound very, I'm going to make up a word here, doesn't sound very gracey, does it? Doesn't sound very gracey. I mean, that was, that was the question I had when I first came to this passage. So what does Jesus mean when he says it's hard to get in through the door? Well, I think surely he's saying that repentance is hard. Repenting, declaring spiritual bankruptcy, if you like. Uh, repenting is a, set, is a central part of being saved by grace. And repenting is hard. Maybe this helps. Uh, before I started working for church, I worked as a software developer for the energy company Bulb. Maybe you heard of them. Uh, and in late 2021, gas prices went crazy, and the company basically ran out of money. They're about to go bankrupt. Uh, this is a very big deal. You may have seen it in the news, the national news. Uh, at the time, Bulb had nearly two million customers. It would be a disaster if a company that big just collapsed. Uh, so Bulb, the company, they had two choices. Uh, they could carry on, pretend everything was fine. That's easy, but that would lead to disaster. Or they could declare publicly that they'd gone bankrupt and that they needed a government bailout and the government to take them over. Now, admitting bankruptcy, that is no fun at all. That's hard. Company would have to admit that they messed up, they didn't use their money well, and the whole world would see their failings. But that is the only way that they and their customers could be saved. So they did. They declared bankruptcy and the newspapers tore into them. The government bailed them out for six billion pounds of taxpayer money. Not my fault, by the way. Sorry. Uh, and, they, and the government took over running the company. Uh, that is not easy or enjoyable. That's hard. It's humiliating. But it was the only way to be saved. And in the same way, repenting or declaring your own spiritual bankruptcy, that's hard, isn't it? That means saying... God, I failed you. God, I'm not worthy of being with you. God, I need a bailout. God, you know best. I need you to take over running my life. That's what Jesus is saying. The narrow door is not easy to get through. You have to repent, declare spiritual bankruptcy, even though it's costly. For those of us here who are Christians, we have felt that difficulty, haven't we? When we repent and put God in charge of our lives, he will ask us to change the way we live. Whether that's how we use our money or our time, by following God's teaching on sex and relationships, it's hard. And Jesus says, not everyone fancies that. Some people, they get to the house, they see this narrow door, and they think, oh yeah, that party looks nice. Yeah, I'll try and get in, but uh, ooh, ooh, that door's a bit narrow, isn't it? I mean, if I was going to get through that, ooh, I'd have to, you know, hold my breath, contort my body, repent, declare bankruptcy before God, confess my sins, put Jesus in charge of my life. Oh, no, 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 I don't fancy doing that. Uh, there must be another way in. Oh, I don't want to do that. Much easier just to ignore God, keep on living our lives as if there's no problem. And so not everyone goes through. So, yes, we are saved by grace. Of course we are, but... You see, being saved by grace is hard. It involves repentance, admitting that I'm spiritually bankrupt and trying to put God in charge of my life, not myself. The door is narrow 
not everyone is willing to strive to get through. That was our first point. Then secondly, uh, it's not enough to know him. Not enough to know him. So Jesus, he's described these two groups of people, uh, those who are willing to strive to go through the door and those who say, oh no, I'm not doing that. Uh, And now in verses 25 to 27, Jesus zooms in on those people who didn't strive, who are left outside. Uh, And Jesus is going to show us that it's not enough to just know him. Let me read again from verse 25. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, oh, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. So now the door's been shut, the party's begun, and there's a bunch of people left outside. Uh, But look what happens next. They'd said, you know, oh, I don't fancy that narrow door. No, declaring bankruptcy doesn't sound fun. But it's cool. Like, I know the guy who owns this place. Uh, He'll find a way to get me in. He'll show me the back door, maybe. We'll get in somehow. It'll be fine. Me and this guy, we go way back. It'll be fine. We'll get in one way or another. But look at those words that the house owner says to these people. Uh, And by this point, it's pretty clear that the house owner represents Jesus himself. Verse 25, Jesus says, I don't know you or where you come from. And then again in verse 27, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. So they're shut out of the house. Do you see what he's saying? It's it's not enough to know Jesus. It's not enough to describe yourself as a follower of Jesus. It's not enough to have heard his teaching. It's not enough even to call him Lord. Verse 25, when the people say, Sir, open the door for us. That word translated sir is literally the words, Lord, Lord. You know, they're being very respectful to Jesus. But it all counts for nothing because they didn't enter through the narrow door. They refused to repent. They refused to declare spiritual bankruptcy and put God in charge of their lives. So they were shut out. Uh, A few years ago, I was meeting up to read the Bible with a guy who was a few years younger than me. Uh, He would have called himself a Christian, I think. Uh, So, you know, we'd meet up, we'd talk about life, as you do. Uh, And I really liked him as a person, and we got on well. But it just got so frustrating, because he just gave me no sense at all that following Jesus needed to lead to any change in the way that he lived. You know, I'd say, oh, how was your weekend? And he'd say, oh, I was at a party. Yeah, had a few drinks. Things got pretty wild. And he'd describe what he got up to. And I'd say, oh, do you think that was a good thing for a Christian to do? And he'd say, oh, well, you know, maybe not. But I've got to blow up some steam, right, haven't I? That was just one example. It was the same in other parts of his life. Uh, And it all just felt a bit like water off a duck's back, you know? It was like his shields were up. Uh, And all the while, I'd be seeing him at church most weeks, you know, singing the songs, sitting through the Bible study groups, but I never really saw any indication that he considered himself to be spiritually bankrupt, that he needed to repent. Uh, I never really saw any desire to change any part of his life for Jesus. Uh, I, I don't know what he's up to now. I pray that he is living for Jesus now. Obviously, only God knows someone's heart. But it seems to me... He is the sort of person who should be feeling uncomfortable in a passage like this. 
Because it seems to me he was at risk of Jesus saying, I don't know you or where you come from, away from me. Jesus says it's not enough to look and act like a Christian on the surface. You need to enter through the narrow door and repent. The door is narrow. It's not enough to know him. Finally, a shocking reversal. Uh, Let me read verses 28 to 30. Verse 28. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. This is really intense, isn't it? Jesus has moved things up a gear again. Uh, I think verse 30 sums it up. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. Uh, The point very simply being, in the kingdom of God, like we said, there will be some people that you never expected to be there. And some people that you thought would be first through the door will be shut out. Jesus illustrates it himself. He says, you yourselves will be thrown out and unlikely people from all over the world will come in. East, west, north, south, enjoying the feast while you're stuck outside. I mean, can you imagine? That must have been shocking to hear for his Jewish audience. Because they were God's chosen people. They had the inside track with God and now they're being thrown out. Because they couldn't bring themselves to repent, to declare spiritual bankruptcy. And instead, a bunch of foreigners and social outcasts are being welcomed in because they did repent. It's a shocking reversal. Some first will be last, and some last will be first. Uh, And that must be true today too, mustn't it? Uh, If what Jesus is saying is true, if some who are last will be first, then in the new creation we should expect to see a lot of surprising faces. We should expect to see lots of people who live bad lives, but who did repent, who did strive to get through the narrow door. You know, at the feast in heaven, sitting next to Abraham, we should expect to see county lines gang leaders who groomed teenage boys to becoming drug mules, but who then repented. Or perhaps, you know, sitting next to Moses, we'll see an abusive pimp who ran a brothel, but then repented. Some who are last will be first. There'll be all kinds of unlikely people in heaven, people who strive to get through the narrow door, repented. And then it must surely also be true that some who are first will be last. There will be some surprising people missing from the feast. I take it, Jesus is saying that there'll be some people shut out who look like Christians. Jesus says, on that last day, shut outside the feast, there will be some lifelong churchgoers. People who are baptized, who shared the Lord's Supper, who went to a church, but who never repented, never saw a need to declare spiritual bankruptcy. Who looked at the narrow door and thought, no, that's not for me. And that, you know, that probably covers even the most Christian-looking people. I, I presume that on the last day, shut outside the feast will be some vicars, some bishops, people who knew Jesus, who looked Christian, but who never repented. 
knocking at the door saying, Lord, Lord, come on, it's me, let me in. Looking in at the feast. To use the words of Jesus, weeping and gnashing their teeth. So start warning against complacency, isn't it? The door is narrow. Knowing Jesus isn't enough. So there will be a shocking reversal. Uh, All of which begs the question, are you striving to enter through the narrow door? Uh, I think surely that's the question we need to ask ourselves. Uh, It's the very first thing Jesus says in verse 24, isn't it? Make every effort, strive to enter through the narrow door. That is what everything hangs on. Because if you're willing to strive to uncomfortably squeeze through the door, to repent and declare spiritual bankruptcy, then you will take your place at the feast on the last day, no matter what kind of life you lived in the past. And if you're not striving, then even if you're a good person who looks like a Christian, then you'll be shut out. So strive. Will you repent, declare spiritual bankruptcy, and put Jesus in charge of your life? Uh, Perhaps you're a regular here, but you've never repented and put your trust in Jesus. Uh, I hope it's clear from this passage that being a Christian is more than just coming to church. It's more than just reading and knowing your Bible. It's more than reciting the Lord's Prayer and taking communion. You know, we love having you here. We love having everyone here. But Christianity is more than that, more than those things. Being a Christian is hard. The Christian life feels like squeezing through a narrow door. You've got to repent of the sin that lives within you and try to live for Jesus by his grace instead, even when that's hard. So I think from this passage, it's my duty to warn you, please take Jesus' word seriously. The stakes are really high. That's what Jesus says. Uh, Or perhaps you would call yourself a Christian, but you're just trying to live with your foot in both camps, you know? You you genuinely like the stuff about forgiveness of sins, but there are some sins in your life that, if you're honest, you have no interest in fighting. You know, like my friend from earlier, maybe it's getting drunk, like he said, maybe it's sex outside marriage, maybe it's rejecting parts of Jesus' teaching that our culture disagrees with. The warning here is stark. If you don't strive to get through the narrow door, if you don't repent of all your sins, declaring complete spiritual bankruptcy, if you don't try to hand your whole life over to Jesus, he says you will be one of those people locked out of the feast. Look, those are Jesus' words. I've tried to teach them faithfully. And I don't know your heart. Only you and the Lord do. Uh, And I do fully expect that the vast majority of people here have already repented and are already striving. So, you know, the aim of the passage is not to make you feel bad. So if you are a Christian here and the door does feel narrow, uh, if living for Jesus in repentance feels hard, if you often feel like a failure as a Christian, if living for Jesus and obeying him feels like a constant battle, then you're probably doing something right. Uh, And this passage surely has good news for you. The last can be first. Uh, I hope you can feel the grace of the Lord Jesus in this passage. Uh, His grace poured out on the cross is good enough for anyone. The kingdom of God will be full of unlikely, unimpressive people 
I mean, as Luke records for us in the rest of his book, tax collectors, prostitutes, foreigners, all coming into Jesus and being saved. And surely the greatest example of this recorded by, G, by, recorded by Luke is the criminal who repented on the cross. Remember that story? Uh, the criminal who'd lived a wicked, rebellious life, but just minutes before he died, he turned to Jesus. He repented. He declared spiritual bankruptcy. And he heard those wonderful words from Jesus. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The last will be first. Unimpressive people giving their lives to Jesus and being saved. Uh, a few years ago, I was meeting up to read the Bible with a different guy. Uh, he'd recently become a Christian and so we'd you know, talk about life. Uh, and the conversation would start the same. I'd say, oh, how was your weekend? And he'd say, yeah, you know, we had work drinks and... Yeah, I think I did probably have a few too many. And I'd say the same thing, you know, oh, you know, do you think that was a good thing for a Christian to do? And he would say, no, no, I, I repented to God the next day. Next time we have work drinks, I'm telling everyone at the start, you know, two drinks and then I'm done for the night, orange juice for me from then on. Uh, and me and him, we'd pray about it. We'd thank God for his grace. And then next week we'd talk again. Maybe things had gone better, maybe they hadn't. And we prayed and confessed and thanked God for his grace again. That's the Christian life, isn't it? That's how you strive to get through the narrow door. Mess up, repent, try again. That guy was a huge encouragement to me. Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow door. Repent, declare spiritual bankruptcy. Don't pick and choose which parts of his teaching you'll subscribe to. If you do, you'll be shut out no matter how Christian your life looks. But if you are willing to repent, then no matter how far from Jesus you were and no matter how much you continue to fail him, there is endless grace available to you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, this is a hard teaching. It makes us uncomfortable to think that the door to salvation is narrow and that many will be stuck outside. So I pray that you'll help us to take this seriously. That we will realize that we are not okay as we are. We're sinful. And we need to come to you in repentance and obedience, even when that's costly and hard. I thank you that your grace is enough to save anyone, no matter how far away from you their lives are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.